All right, today we come to Acts chapter 12, and this is a fascinating chapter. Um, though, I mean, if you read it, you know the good things are sort of mingled with the evil motives of Herod and other unbelievers. And we find in this chapter, John's brother James killed for his faith in verse 2. And because this action pleased the uh, bloodthirsty, unbelieving Jews, Herod also unjustly arrested Peter uh, in order to persecute him. It is at this point that the church went to work praying, and really prayer is at the forefront of this whole chapter, and the Lord works mightily through their prayer. And uh, we, we could learn from them. And the final part of this chapter shows us that the final outcome of those who spend their lives unrepentantly seeking glory for themselves uh, that only rightfully belongs to God. So let's think about uh, two or three different things. Uh, sort of just, um, I guess, a couple of things like the way prayer meetings, I think, should be versus uh, the way they often are. And then, uh, and then finally, we'll think about uh, the consequences of <clears throat> keeping God's glory for ourselves. So the way prayer meetings should be, uh, sort of as I mentioned, the first thing we encounter in this chapter is Herod's persecution of the church, climaxing particularly in the cruel and unjust death of the apostle James and brother in verse two, John's brother. Uh, not this is not obviously not the writer of the New Testament book of James, who was the half brother of Jesus. Um, when Herod saw how much favor that curried him for him with the Jews, namely uh, putting James to death. He threw, <coughs> Herod threw justice to the wind and arrested Peter also in verse 3 in order to persecute him. Well, they arrested him, put him in prison under ridiculously heavy security. Um, I mean, think about it. Think, look at verse 4 again. It's clear, though, as the story proceeds, that it's not, even with that much security, there's not enough security to prevent an angel uh, sent from the Lord from delivering Peter from their chains. But nevertheless, they arrest him, put him under uh, heavy security. Um, and as I said a minute ago, it was at this point that the church went to work with um, what is clear was the, the, the greatest weapon and tool they had at their disposable, disposal, which was prayer. Um, <clears throat> we read in verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, uh, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. This is the way prayer meetings should be. I mean, there are three things that, that I would want to point out. First, prayer was the church's first response to their need. Their prayer wasn't uh, just a perfunctory routine, but was their passionate gut response. And this that leads to the second thing I'd point out here, which was the earnestness of the prayer that they offered. Luke specifically mentioned that earnest prayer was offered. And that word can also be translated constant prayer. And I believe if we could actually see this prayer meeting of the church, we would realize how anemic and sometimes even robotic our prayer meetings can be and often are today. <clears throat> but finally, we notice the ob obvious fact that uh, earnest prayer for Peter was made, as the verse says, uh, to God by the church. And, um, you know, often we view prayer as a, a, as a private thing. Uh, and there's most definitely a place and a purpose for private prayer. I mean, even Jesus 
got alone by himself in a desolate place to pray. But you will find, if you're a careful reader, you will find in the New Testament that most mentions and most admonitions of prayer are in the context of the, the of Christians and the church praying together. And uh, we are given here an example of the way prayer meetings ought to be. We should see prayer not just as something Christians are supposed to do, but as a God-given uh, spiritual weapon and tool that we go to in every circumstance confidently and without hesitation. And when we go to him in prayer, we should go to him earnestly and remain in constant prayer before him. And finally, we should go earnestly and eagerly to the Lord together. We neglect praying together to our own harm and our own misery. <clears throat> in this chapter, so we're given a, a detailed account of the amazing thing that the Lord can do when his people come together in constant and in earnest prayer. That's the way prayer meetings should be. But we also think together about the way prayer meetings often are. Um, on that note, as exemplary as that early church was in the matter of prayer, they, they still were not perfectly without fault. Um, something really interesting happens in this story that makes us realize that, and, and a good, in a good way, that they were not superhuman Christians, but were normal Christians with normal shortcomings just as we are. That doesn't mean we should dismiss our shortcomings, but we can learn to be aware of our own shortcomings through seeing theirs. So we saw in the first uh, point, that when they heard of Peter being unjustly imprisoned, they immediately joined together in earnest prayer. They prayed passionately and continuously for Peter. What, what happens next is God answers their prayer, and he does it in a really remarkable way. He sends an angel uh, who breaks Peter's chains and leads him out unseen out of the prison right in front of the guards. And it was such an unusual experience that Peter didn't even think it was really happening. But but he, he thought, as verse 9 says, that maybe he was seeing a vision or something. I mean, that, this is really unusual when it's happening to, happening to you and you don't even, aren't really fully sure that it's actually happening. I mean, doors uh, were opening by themselves and everything. I mean, that's verse 10. I mean, it happened in such a way that it could not be explained any other way than God was the one doing this. And he was doing it in response to the church's prayers. Well, after Peter is freed from prison, he goes to the house where the believers had been praying. And, in fact, when he gets there, verse 12, they're, they're still praying. But then, then it happens. Peter knocks on the door. A servant girl was going uh, to the door to open it. But when she heard Peter's voice outside and recognized his voice, she was so excited that she actually forgot to open the door <laughs> and went back to tell others that it was Peter who was outside. Uh, that's verses 13 and 14. I mean, that that's... That's amazing. I mean, that's exactly what they had been praying for. God had not only answered their prayer, but he had done it quickly. I mean, that, that, that's not always typical. Jesus even told parables that we ought always to pray and not lose heart because sometimes God has good designs for making us pray and pray for a long time before answering our prayer. Sometimes, and in this case, he answered really quickly. I mean, almost immediately. So what was their response? She came back and said, hey, Peter's at the door. And they told the servant girl in verse 15, you're out of your mind. <laughs> what? I mean, a girl comes to them with almost uncontainable 
uncontrollable joy to tell them that their earnest prayers had been answered and they replied she's out of her mind what's the deal with that i think i just think it shows that while they were desperate for the lord's help and the only thing they knew to do was pray somewhere deep down it must have been inconceivable that either a the lord would answer them or b that he would answer them that quickly and it shows that their prayers were tinged with some measure of unbelief something if we're honest with ourselves is true of us and our prayers all too often as well but if this story teaches us anything else it shows us first that god is merciful and doesn't wait for our prayers to be prayed with perfect faith before answering us and second god may not answer our prayers in exactly the way that we expect but he does answer our prayers and thirdly sometimes he answers us quickly and miraculously why you ask do we have to be told this and just believe it by faith instead of knowing it uh, ourselves by experience i'm afraid it's because we don't pray earnestly enough ourselves to have testimonies of merciful and miraculous answers from the lord we don't have what you know or as james says we have not because we ask not so it doesn't have to be that way and it shouldn't be that way well before we close Let's think just a second about keeping God's glory for ourselves because this chapter has a rather ominous ending. It, be- it begins by telling us that uh, in verse 20, Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Um, that anger had apparently manifested itself in Herod withholding food aid from the people and so they came to petition him. What is Herod's response? Verse 21, he sat on his throne and made them listen to him give a speech. What was their response? Well, they were hungry and wanted food So they purposefully went way overboard in their praise of Herod, saying in verse 22, the voice of a God and not a man. So they they were trying to really flatter him in hopes to get food. Maybe they really believed it when they said it. I tend to believe they were saying it just to earn his good graces toward them. Either way, Herod liked it. He didn't rebuke them uh, for saying that he is a God and not a man. And he happily received for himself the glory that only belongs to God. And so verse 23 tells us that the Lord struck him down for his pride. Interestingly, they praised Herod's words as the voice of a God, and the only true God silenced the voice of Herod. And in the very next verse, in verse 24, we read, but the word of God increased and multiplied. Also, compare the prideful actions of Herod here for receiving praise that didn't belong to him uh, to Paul and Barnabas in chapter 14 uh, coming up who... Uh, when when similar praise came to them in Acts 14, 11 through 15, it says they tore their garments in lament uh, when the crowds there in Lystra gave them similar praise. So God alone is God. And this is why Peter instructed believe, believers in 1 Peter three fifteen: in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. All praise belongs to him. And those are some thoughts from Acts chapter 12.